Alright legends, welcome along to a new edition of Scheme Me Up Body. I'm your host, Rodney Stewart. We're getting into Star Trek Picard Season 2, Episode 2, entitled Penance. And uh, I really want to be damn sure that the title of this episode is called Penance, because if it's not, then I've just made an absolute ass out of myself. So, where the heck are we? Let me bring this up. Penance, thank Crunchy for that. Um, of course, most of you people out there listening to these podcasts and stuff like that are going to be like, you're recording a podcast. You could just re-record it and edit it. I, right now, don't have the flipping time to edit properly. That's insane, the amount of stuff I'm actually forcing myself to do right now as far as content creation goes. So, uh... One shot wonder is what I am right now, so we're just going to do it as best we can, and hopefully we don't screw things up too badly. But um, other ones saying that we are slightly behind with penance, so let's get into it. And on the upside to that is uh, we're that far behind. You're actually going to get in the next podcast episode three of Picard season two, so it's all good. Uh, as I said in the last podcast in the show. Um, it's not a bad thing if you're falling behind because of new Star Trek coming. That's all good. We're getting a severe dose of stuff right now, and I'm absolutely loving it. So at the beginning of Penance, of course, uh, Q has popped up, and he's extracted Picard from his own time and deposited him in the Mirror Universe. Or, we're led to believe it's the Mirror Universe for a bit, but it's actually a variation of the Mirror Universe. It's not the exact Mirror Universe that we have seen in previous shows. This is a, a direct result of Q making a single change in the timeline that we find out at the end of the episode. It's actually on Earth, Los Angeles, in the year 2024. So, pretty much in this episode, and I have said it about new Star Trek, as much as I do enjoy it, it seems like there's just a lot of story stretching happening in the majority of the episodes. Like it's just, it's not as quickly paced as the older shows would have been. You know, there was the the genius use of the the captain's log or you know like commander's logs and stuff like that. There, they could just sort of skip the story ahead slightly if they needed to do it. So this one here, they seem to be just spending a lot of time. Stretching out a lot of stuff that they could really do quicker at the end of the day, but you know it's 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 a a small problem that I have with the shows, and not enough to make me turn off from them. But uh, you just uh, so far you you just kind of feel like you know an entire season of Discovery or Picard, whatever it may be, could have been done three or four episodes with the original. Style shows, so you know it is what it is, but I'm enjoying it, I have to say. So, we realize at the beginning here, very swiftly into it, that um, this is again uh, another test from Q essentially. Picard actually says it before the end of the episode, uh, they're going to have to change the timeline, fix it themselves. But if, from his experience with Q, is he will not step in and correct anything until he feels that they've learned some sort of lesson or passed some sort of a test and you know 
Q did indeed say that whenever he turned up, like the, the test never ended. So uh, it's we're getting into familiar territory now between Picard and Q. But uh, one of the things that I did enjoy was the the way that they aged Q when he first appeared. And then he mentions that oh, you know, you're looking kind of old. Let me catch up. Then you get to see him as he actually is. And real life right now, John Delancey, absolute flipping legend in the, the role of Q. But uh, Picard does say to him, you know, you seem a little, you don't seem well. And he does say, closer to the end of the episode, that for Q, he did seem a little bit more unstable, you know, than he usually is. So is there something wrong with Q? We don't know, but uh, it is what it is. Like episode one and season two, the big majority of that episode was setting up the the main characters, giving you an update on where they're at and what they're doing since the events of episode one. And we've pretty much get that again in season two in this mirror universe of the the Confederation of Earth. And we kind of, you know, they spend a bit of time catching you up to the, the characters that they caught you up with in episode one. But because it's not just Picard that has been taken from the present and deposited into this alternative timeline, it's everybody else as well. Seven of Nines there, Rafi, Rios, Elnor, Girati. Um, They're all there. So they spend a bit of time getting you caught up. So you see, even though... Q has jumped on here, and in all fairness, if he didn't jump in there, everybody dies. And that moment, Ricard blows up the star gazer. They're all gone, all dead. So Q's actually saved them all as well at this point. So you, you never know exactly what you're going to get with Q whenever he pops up, but. Uh, or what's going to happen, but uh, he says to Picard, for you, this is a penance sort of a thing, you're not going to be able to wash the blood of your hands, you know, he's going to, he can stay here in the body of a madman in the world of a madman, but, you know, it's, this is the, the, the road not travelled for Picard, and uh, not even, it's not really even obvious what the lesson is right now, that, uh, Picard's going to be taught here, but I do kind of feel that it's something to do with his his constant decision to put his career before his personal life. I think there's a bit of that on there, because you do have a lot of chat about Laris in these two episodes. Episode one, of course, there was almost the kiss between the two of them. Picard pulled back, and, uh, you know, it's... We do know that Picard is the last of the Picards, and, uh, you know, once he's gone, the whole family line's gone, so why is he going to stick to his, you know, just his call to duty instead of actually for once in his life? He's not a young man anymore, you know, put yourself forced for a change, Picard. So it's, it's kind of hard... To, to work out what's going on, but you know, in this this timeline at the end of this episode, he actually does go looking for Laris, and you know, discovers quite quickly that she, she never worked at the vineyard. The only record that there is of a Laris is uh, 
or Romulan was killed in the Romulan uprising. And uh, we don't know if this is Picard's hand or not. Of course, the Picard, up to this point, was an, another person, not him, until they were, he was set on to this timeline. But he does, he looks back and his, his past, Q takes him through his study, his house and whatnot, and and the, the kitchen, there's staff there, alien staff, Romulans, whatever, they're all terrified of Picard, you know, so this, this one guy sharpening knives to McDonough, and as soon as Picard walks on, he's just like, he's kind of glancing, trying not to look at him, but at the same time, he's, he's his head down, but the eyes are kind of darting, like very, very nervously up and down, and Picard can't believe that this would be something that he would do, like I would never, never do this sort of thing. But in the study, we see all these skulls on pikes, more or less on a desk, and uh, Q actually takes them through who some of them are, called the cat as one of them. Main characters in the shows, you'll recognise that name jumping out straight at you. General Martok as another one. Another recurring character in DS9. And of course, Sarek's skull is there as well. And uh, Q's like, you know, they were all killed by the same weathering hands of the worst predator ever to be brought from the history of Earth, more or less. And this is just like, it's... it's John McPicard in this timeline. Uh, he's a, a general in the Confederation of Earth and he went to war essentially against the galaxy and the CSS World Razor and pretty much just obliterated every alien species he could come across. So CSS, that's not, per- not pronounced in the show but it would be the Confederation Starship World Razor, of course USS, like the USS Enterprise, but the United Starship, so it's obvious, they're in a confederation of Earth, CSS, confederation of starships, so everything that's happening in this timeline, where they're at, there is a design to it, you know, Q hasn't just dropped them in here without a hope, he's actually dropped them in positions of strength, you know, you've got Picard there, he's put him into, in all fairness, uh, a position of a person that Picard would never ever want to be, this insane general that's just eradicating life forms left, right and centre, but you've got Seven of Nine, who is actually the Madam President of the Confederation, so she's got all the power in this reality, essentially. Rafi is head of security. Rios, he's back commanding La Serena. So, uh, you know, there's an escape ship there for them as well. Uh, Elnor, it's pretty much just a resistance member in here. And uh, Gerardi is like the head scientist in the, the Confederation. And... Uh, Yes, sir, I did notice there was a reference to Seven of Nine, or Madam President, as she's known here. Her husband is actually a magistrate 
and uh, he's going to be the pain in the ass for them in this episode and probably heading forward. Uh, as I'm recording this, I haven't watched forward yet. We've actually got episode three available. I haven't sat down to watch it yet. Want to get into this podcast before I did that. But uh, he's going to be a pain, and she she's realizing this isn't right. It's not a dream. She does all these tests on herself to see whether it's real or actually she's dreaming or whatever. She discovers it's not a dream, but when she's looking for her notes on the computer, she sees the name Rios jumping out, so she wants to get in contact with him for a report. This is what she's saying to the magistrate, her husband. She doesn't want to give away to him, because obviously you know, he's not a person she knows, so she needs to be very... Very much aware that this guy is 100% in this reality. So she sees the name, recognises it, Rios, and asks for a, a report from the... Uh, there's a, a Vulcan war going on, and Rios is in the front lines of it, essentially. And she asks for a report from the the front, and her husband, the, the magistrate, says, I'll, I'll get you in contact with... Uh, Cisco and uh, just jumped straight out at me, you know. Ah, Commander Captain Cisco from DS9. So you get all these little references, skipping back to the previous classic shows that we all know and love. But uh, of course, we never get to see Cisco because Seven is like, you know, straight away, no, I don't want to be talking to someone from this reality. She doesn't say that to him, of course, but she says, This guy, Rios, get me in contact with him. So, uh, a lot of time establishing these characters in the first episode of who they are in their own reality up to this point, and in this mirror universe, who they are, what roles are playing in that there. So it takes a bit of time to get that all together, but they do eventually all connect up in the episode after the uh, the news of what's happening, what they're going to have to do on this particular day. It's Eradication Day, a big ceremony where the, the humans execute prisoners of war, alien species, you know, anybody that's against them. It's a completely totalitarian world right now. And one thing that was interesting at the beginning of the episode was this like big shield that goes around the entire planet. And Q says, well, in your reality, you know, humanity discovered a way to save the Earth that they're in the process of killing. But in this reality, they just keep the corpse and life support. So they actually have a a shield around the entire planet to protect it from, obviously, the the, uh, the sun. You know, the, the whole atmosphere is pretty much dissolved through pollution, essentially, is what they're saying here. So, yes, they've got their shields up 100% around the planet. Um, on Eradication Day, of course, we discovered that the, the big species that they're going to kill off at the end of this episode, or in this day, is the, the Borg Queen, the last of the Borg. And uh, she is to be executed by Picard. But the, the interesting thing in the Borg Queen in this episode is she is able to, she's got like a a temporal, trans-temporal kind of thing in her head where she uh, realises that time has been splintered. She can 
even though she's one of the last, or actually the last in this episode, she's hearing versions of herself from other realities and other times and whatnot. So she's she's clued on. She seems crazy when you first meet her, but she's she's just hearing the the difference between the, the timelines and whatnot. So they discover that this character, one of the most deadly enemies that the Federation ever encountered the Borg, the Borg Queen herself, is actually probably the one person that can save their asses at the end of this episode. So they all get their heads together, try to work out an escape plan, uh, you know, put everything in place to try and get out of there. Uh, everything's going well until they try to transport off the surface, but uh, the security measures in place have closed off transporters. Uh, they're kind of trapped there and at the end of the episode coming up towards the end of the episode Madam President Seven of Nine of course and Picard are on stage with the Borg Queen and they're going through the eradication day ceremony and Picard has to pull a phaser and kill the Borg Queen and General Picard is going to get the, the name bestowed on him as Borg Killer for doing this so it's uh, it's a crazy crazy episode but of course everything's up against the clock as usual come up towards the end of it and Picard realizes they're going to have to fight their way off the stage so he actually turns the phaser on the guards he's wasting time the whole crowd's turning they realize something's wrong they're about to turn on him and security's just about to rush him on the stage so he turns the phaser saving the board queen and shooting down a few of the guards just as Gerardi works out whatever's going on breaks them all out uh, between her Rafi and Elnor they manage to get everybody beamed onto the last arena and they're going to use as a nice little callback to the voyage home they discover through the board queen that the indeed time has been changed, which is why I said it's a at the beginning of this I said it was it wasn't the Murray universe we're used to in Star Trek. This is a variation of it because of a time change by Q because the Borg can you know feel or see these different elements of the past. She's able to track down what the change was, where and when it happened, and uh it happens on Earth in Los Angeles in the year 2024. So Picard comes up with the idea. We can use the, the slingshot manoeuvre that that uh, Kirk's Enterprise used on more than one occasion. And uh, everybody's like, you know, that's okay. Gerardi is, well, that's okay if you've got a supercomputer to, you know, work out the, the calculations pr- properly. The Enterprise had Spock, but uh, Seven of Nine is, like, we've got the Borg Queen here. She'd be able to do it. So she manages to convince the Borg Queen to help them. You know, would you rather die here alone, or would you rather get back to your own timeline with the the Borg waiting for you in the Delta Quadrant? And uh, she agrees to it. So at the end of the episode, they're all beamed on board the La Serena, but there's a presidential override that kind of shuts the ship down, and the the magistrate beams on board along with two of his security staff. Elnor takes a phaser blast to the shoulder, 
and uh, everybody is, you know, trapped, hands up at the end of the episode. Now moving forward here, I'm kind of curious to see how they get out of this one because there's a few different ways that I felt they could get out of it, but uh, I'm not going to really speculate on it. Of course, Last Arena, we've seen it in the first episode, you've got all these uh, holograms of uh, Rios on the ship. Uh, they played a big part in season one. We had one of them in episode one of season two here, and uh, it was actually able to fight off attackers whenever Seven closed down the, the safety protocols of the the uh, the computer to let it actually fight properly. So I'm, I'm kind of waiting for that to happen. We have the Borg Queen on there, on the ship. She no longer has the shield around her, protecting people from her. So she can maybe step on, take these guys out. So we're interested to see what happens. Uh, the only person that's not standing with their hands up at this point is... Um, Gerardi, she's actually hiding behind the Borg Queen, so it'll be interesting to see how they do get out of this uh, situation. I've got to say now, guys, as much as I feel that stretching out the stories in these newer Star Trek shows is kind of working against them in a way, um, I'm enjoying it. The storytelling is actually very, very good. But it's just going to take a bit of time. I've said it a few times on the show here that, you know, back in the day, whenever the next generation came out, like I was something like, what age would I have been at that stage? Probably about nine, ten years old when the next generation was actually first shown. Um, you know, I was... I remember, like, we didn't have the internet back in those days. You start to sound really old and you say stuff like that. It was pre-internet. We didn't have the internet. We didn't have all this, you know, constant news coming at us from random people sitting in their bedrooms making podcasts, like quite like what I'm doing now. But there was always the chat. Somewhere you would have come across it in a magazine. People would be like, oh, this is never going to be as good as the original. But now looking back on all those shows, they stand shoulder to shoulder with the original series of Star Trek. And, you know... A lot of people would say are better than the original series of Star Trek, so it's just going to take a bit of time. Like we're quite a few years into this new generation of shows from Star Trek. It is what it is. Times have changed. The ways of telling stories have changed slightly, but uh, there's just something romantic for me about the the older way that these shows was done. But uh, I'm in it for the long haul. I'm in it, you know, at Star Trek, science fiction. At its finest, I'm absolutely loving it. But, uh, you know, the, the story stretching is something that I feel that they might need to think about moving forward. Because, you know, well, I can see it from a certain perspective. You know, the longer you can keep the show going the more money you can make from it. But at the same time, whenever you look back at the older shows and the amount of different stories they would have told in the single run of a series was immense. Like, so many things coming out, so many different storylines. It's just, yes, it's just something I'm going to have to deal with right now. But again, I'm loving it. 
I'm here for it. That's going to do it for this episode, guys. Hope you did enjoy it. If you did, please rate and review the show. Hit that follow button. We're going to be at this at least three times a week. Uh, before times this week. Same as I'm so far behind things. But it is what it is. I'm going to be here multiple times in the week with uh, Star Trek content. And whenever we do eventually run out of Star Trek to talk about, we're going to be going on to all our science fiction shows as well. So for right now, scheme me up, buddy. 100% Star Trek. But we're going to be getting into stuff like Jerry Anderson's UFO classic show, classic series. Space 1999, all those sorts of shows, maybe Doctor Who, something out there, all science fiction based shows, so I'm here for a long, long time to come, all been well, whether people listen to it or not, I'm loving it. Guys, stay safe, and I'll talk to you in the next episode. This has been a production of Coins Age Media, thank you so much for listening. 